0: Today on It's Time. One third of the Bible is prophecy and two thirds of those prophecies have already come true and there's a remaining one third in the future. I hear the calling, it's time. it's time, it's time,
1: it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls Idaho. Today he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join pastor Mike.
0: It's
1: time
0: morning. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Revelation chapter 4. We're going to talk today about what is heaven like. You know, there's a lot of misconceptions about heaven. We're going to be sitting on an overstuffed cloud uh, eating angel food cake, but the Bible actually tells us what heaven is like, and you don't want to miss heaven because of this world. And the Bible tells us that great is your reward in heaven. The Bible says for all of us to lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven where moth and thieves and rust and all those things that deteriorate our wealth here on this earth is not affected there in heaven. And what is valuable? What is going from this world into the next world? Only people. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes those very people that give you the greatest joy in the world and sometimes those people that are the biggest pains in the neck. But the Bible says, only thing going from this world in the next world is people. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we love you. And we just come here as your children to gather together, to look at your word, to see what you would say to us that would encourage us, bless us, correct us, show us who you are, and show us who we are as we read these words together. And God, that you would reveal to us your great love for us, your creation, the most important thing in all of the universe, God, you have focused upon us in that you sent Jesus to die on the cross to redeem us. And so as we read now, bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Bible's got great things in it. First of all, it'll tell you who you are. It'll tell you who God is and our relationship we need to have with him. We've been looking at the book of Revelation. Some people have come along and said, "Well, the book of Revelation is a sealed book." Well, by the very name It's anything but a sealed book. In fact, it's just the opposite. The word revelation means the unveiling of. That is God's great purpose to unveil. Like you would have a statue in a park and the great day comes and we're gonna dedicate the statue and you pull the sheet off. That's the revelation. That's the unveiling. Well, God wants his purpose to be unveiled to you. Jesus said, henceforth, I'll no longer call you servants, I'm going to call you friends because a servant does not know what his master is doing. God wants to reveal to you and to me the things that will take place in the future. You know, the thing that makes the Bible different from every other religious book on the earth is prophecy. One third of the Bible is prophecy And two-thirds of those prophecies have already come true, and there's a remaining one-third yet that will come in the future. And the Bible tells us what's about to happen. The Bible tells us what to look for so we know to be ready. Jesus said, watch and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. Jesus also said, though, he said, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky You know, a storm is coming. How is it that you cannot determine the coming of the Son of Man? So we find in Revelation the history of the world, actually the history of the church, what is going to happen, and what's going to happen in the future. We spent the last couple of weeks talking about the age of the church. Now, all these churches were there scattered throughout uh, Asia Minor, uh, at the time when John was inspired by God to write these things. We also know it's the history of the church, and we also know that these churches all exist today. And I pray with all my heart that we are the church of brotherly love, the church of Philadelphia. We don't want to be the church of Laodicea. The Bible says in that church, they were neither hot nor cold, they were lukewarm, and just as lukewarm coffee or lukewarm tea, you spit it out of your mouth, we don't want to be lukewarm concerning our relationship with God. Why does it say, Jesus say, I wish you were either hot or cold? Because you know, if you get cold, God can light a fire under you to get you going. If you're hot, he'll fan that fire so you'll do more for him. What a great opportunity that we have to serve a true and living God. Well, interestingly enough, chapter 4 starts out, and we'll just read together. After these things, first of all, what things? The things we just read about. The age of the church. And by the way, friends, you don't find the church being mentioned on the earth after chapter 3, the first part of verse 4. From then on, they're always found in heaven. And I think this is really significant. Through the rest of the book of Revelation, you'll find the elect, you'll find saints mentioned, but never the church. And I believe there's a special reason why. Because it says, after these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you the things which must take place place after this. The word metatality in the Greek, what things which must take place after this? The things that we just read. The age of the church, then we find the church in heaven, and then we find in Revelation 6, which we're going to do next Sunday morning, the beginning of the tribulation period. Boy, I'll tell you, A lot of stuff in God's word, things that we need to know because not to scare Christians to death, but to light a fire under us so we'll be about our daddy's business. You know, I need to be reminded oftentimes in this life of what's important and not important. I can major on the minor and I can minor on the major if I don't keep my heart in tune with God's Holy Spirit. And the reason why is that God's invisible Holy Spirit I call it that phone line to God. God speaks to us, encourages us, and causes us to see through his eyes. Again, I can become blurred by the lies of the world, but when I see life through God's eyes, I'm going to see it the way he does, and that's what God wants for us. So he says, he saw this door open in heaven, and a voice which he heard was like a trumpet. Now it's interesting, Paul tells us, At the voice of the trumpet, the Bible says, and I'll just read it to you. uh, Verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first, then those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we will always be with the Lord. I want to talk about this always being with the Lord in just a minute. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, God's not left you and me without comfort. God wants to comfort each one of us by saying, hey, brothers and sisters, one of these days, Gabriel's going to blow, we're out of here. Isn't that good news? All the things that caused you tears, all the things that caused you heartache, all the things that, that were in your past, all gone. I love that. He says to comfort one another with these words, at the sound of the trumpet. Here we find a trumpet. I do not believe it's the seventh trumpet in Revelation because of the order of things. But there's a trumpet going to blow one of these days, and the saints who love God will hear it. Why is that? Because when you give your heart to God, you enter into a new wavelength. You enter into a new frequency. You know, people can have a radio in their car, but if it isn't turned on, you won't hear the message about the coming storm. When you become born again, God turns that supernatural Holy Spirit broadcast to your ears so you can hear the voice of God. And I'll tell you something. You're not just saved to set. You're saved to be motivated by His Spirit. Now, again, a lot of people think the Holy Spirit is gone. (laughs) When the disciples died, they took the Holy Spirit with them. No, nope. Holy Spirit's alive and well on the planet Earth. People have asked me, they said, well, why is God such a God of miracles in the, in the Bible and in the Old Testament? And not, We don't see miracles anymore. Friends, miracles are happening every day. But I want to share something with you. Those living close to the edge see the miracles of God, experience the miracles of God. Just as the disciples, when they saw Jesus multiply the loaves and the fishes always remember this. Those that were close to Jesus knew it was a miracle. Jesus just kept breaking the bread, and it just kept growing. Wow, how do you do that? I don't know. The masses received the blessing, but they did not know, I believe, the extent of the miracle that it was. And those that are close to God will see the miracles. Others will experience the blessing of God, but when you're close to God, you know, hey, God's doing something. Not only is he multiplying loaves and fishes, he multiplies things in my life and in your life, and he'll continue to do that. Well, he says, I'll show you what must take place after these things. What things? The things of the church. Now we find here, immediately, I was in the Spirit. And by the way, friends, when that rapture comes, we will immediately be in the Spirit. I guarantee you, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one who sat on that throne. Here John gets to see God. Now this is amazing. What is heaven like? I think this is so important to get this. Because when we find the descriptions there, when we get to heaven, we won't be a bunch of country bumpkins going, Oh, what's that? You know, God's going to say, This is what you're out about. And the Bible tells us we're going to be known as we're known. That means that we, when we get to heaven, we're not just going... We're all faceless wonders. We've just been, our brains have been bulk erased. and Hi, I don't know who I am, where am I, how did I get here? No, you're going to know everything. And I'll guarantee you, we won't be any, <laughs> we're going to be a lot smarter there than we were here. The minute that you step into heaven, you're going to go, wow, this is great. Notice what he says. Immediately I was in the spirit, throne set in heaven, and one sat on him. And there was like jasper and sardis stone, these beautiful gemstones there in heaven. Tells me heaven is going to be in full color. I like that. No black and white here, full color. And he says, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald, a green rainbow. Wow. Now, casually reading, you'd miss this. But it's interesting The Bible does the commentary on the book of Revelation. And if you don't know the rest of the Bible, and this is one of the great problems for many seminary students coming out being pastors, they've never even read the whole Bible through. And if you don't read the whole Bible through, you you really won't understand Revelation because really, Revelation is the wrap on the rest of the Bible. Many things were done under a rainbow. In fact, when we study it, if you go to uh, Joel uh, 2.16, Psalms 19.5, it says the bridegroom comes from underneath the hoopah, the rainbow. Now, again, we have weddings. You've probably all been to them. And, you know, the couple will come up and there's this thing above them and they stand there and the pastor, they recite their vows. That is a hoopah. Uh, spelt different ways. It's taken on many different forms, but generally it is a bow. It could actually be even a little wider than a bow, but actually it's something over the top of them. And it is significant because God makes promises under the hupa. When's the first time we find a hupa mentioned in the Bible? When's the first time we find a bow mentioned in the Bible? After the flood, remember, God saw the devastation. He says, I will never again destroy the earth with a flood. And he makes what? A promise with what? A rainbow. Now, I like that. It's multicolored, okay? So, God makes a promise under the rainbow that he'll never destroy the earth again. I think it's funny again, we go to weddings, and here's the couple standing under a hoopah, a bow. And they don't know why. Oh, it's just really nice and put flowers on it. No, no, no. It means something extremely significant in the Bible. And what it means is that God makes promises under his rainbow. Now, here's something interesting. You find in heaven this giant green rainbow. Everything that you see is done under it. And the hoopa is a, a symbol that he will take his bride to your home. I like that. Here we find right in that, and as a matter of fact, it is really the prelude to intimacy. That hoopah is what God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you under this. Just as two couples in a wedding ceremony make their, exchange their vows under a hoop, it's a covenant. God makes his covenant with us under this Beautiful emerald rainbow. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And the throne that I saw, 24 elders, sitting on them clothed with white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. Some people have asked, who are these 24 elders? We don't know for sure. It is interesting, though, you have 12 patriarchs, sons of Abraham indirectly. And in the New Testament, you have the 12 apostles. Maybe it's a representative of the Old, representative of the New Testament. I don't know for sure. But from the throne proceeds lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps, a burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, we know that there's only really only one Holy Spirit. But what's interesting within that Holy Spirit there is the manifestation of what the Holy Spirit will do. In fact, sometimes you may have even heard that. Paul the Apostle even asked in Acts 19, since you believe, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? What is that Holy Spirit? Well, it's interesting, if you go to Isaiah 11, and we'll just go over this, we've been over this because this also appears in Revelation chapter 1 for the new people listening and those that are here today. Revel- excuse me, Isaiah eleven two says... The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. That's the first thing the Holy Spirit will do. The seven attributes of the Holy Spirit, first one, he'll rest upon you. We know that. In fact, he'll fill you. He'll rest upon you. I like that about God. He's not not offended by us that he wants to be part of us. In fact, as we read last week, it says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear me, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. In other words, I'm going to have dinner with you. And in those days, when you had dinner with somebody, you exchanged who you were with who they were. I've shared the illustration before when I was in Tonga many years ago. And uh, we were in the jungle and we were going uh, through the jungle in an old Land Rover with no brakes, and we had to stop with the emergency brake. We get to the hut, and he goes, hey, mate, tonight, if you got something on your plate that looks like an onion ring, you're the guest of honor. And I said, is that good? And he goes, no, that's the tail of the dog you're eating. Okay. So he goes, and he runs into the hut, comes back out, he goes, hey, mate, we're having chicken. <laughs> he was very happy about that. So was I. Well, anyway, I get there, and I said, I-, I-, I would like to wash my hands. Is there any place? He goes, hey, mate, you're out in the jungle. There ain't no water out here. I go, oh. And just then you see somebody coming out from the bushes, pulling their pants up. And then everybody gets in life. Here's your banana leaf. And literally, that's what, we don't have Dixie. No no one knows who Dixie is there. We got your banana leaf. Here's your banana leaf. Okay. And it was kind of smorgasbord style. And I was in line in front of a guy. We prayed over the food. And by the way, the missionary prayer. God, I'll eat it up. You keep it down. And so we're all in line. And he's in front of me. And he reaches... Now, they don't have... There's no silverware. At least when I was there, there wasn't. And he reaches into the mashed potatoes and right on his his leaf, licks his fingers off. There's no napkins. Hmm. Reaches back in. Another one. Puts a whole new twist on double dipping. So, I'm freaking out. I mean... I'm not a germaphobe, but pour it probably a little. And and so he does that, he, and, and they lick their fingers off and then stick it back into the potatoes again in another splot on the of the leaf, and you go down, and he was the guy that was just in the jungle pulling his pants off. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, Jesus. I was so, I mean, I, I didn't know what to do, and I just figured, God... I'll eat it up, you keep it down. And so what happened was I began to truly realize what the Bible's talking about. When Jesus said, if anyone opens a door, I will come into him and sup with him, have dinner with him and he with me. This is why Jesus got in such trouble with the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they would walk up to Jesus and they said, why do you eat with the publicans and the sinners? They were unclean. A lot of their practices were unclean. But Jesus did not feel intimidated by eating with them as they would slop double dip on their banana leaf and keep going. In other words, Jesus wasn't scared that whatever you have, I'll get, because Jesus knew something more what I have, you'll get. And I like that. You see, that's what God does. And so the seven spirits of God, the first one is he'll rest upon you. See, God wants to rest on you because God's got something more for you. It isn't just fire insurance. Oh, saints, please get that out of your mind. God's got so much more for you than just to exist every day till we conk out and we go be with the Lord. No, he's got great purpose for you. The second thing the Bible tells us, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This again, Isaiah eleven two. 2 He said this, he will give you literally the spirit of wisdom and understanding. That's what we need today. Wisdom is the ability to apply what you know. You need to be able to learn. That's understanding, friends. We we need to understand. But if all you have is understanding, but you have no wisdom, you cannot apply what you know. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom puts wheels to what you know. The next thing he says, the spirit of counsel and might. The first thing God does when He comes into our life, He changes the way we look at things, and we then, because we're led by the Holy Spirit, we can give counsel to people. Some will come in, I don't know what to do with my life. I went to Anne Landers, she didn't help me. No, she won't, she can't. Why is that? Because your issues in your life. Yours, minds, and those we'll talk to are so unique that only God and via His Holy Spirit can really truly minister to somebody in that condition. Here's why because there's a lot of things that make you what you are. And do you realize that just as we all look individually different, each one of our issues that formed our life are different? And so there's no such thing as one shoe fits all. Yes, it is in Jesus. When we come and we're born again, but how we get out of sometimes these circumstances and, and situations, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the counsel that God will give you. See, we are His representatives. Always remember that, friends. You're not saved to set, you are saved to be empowered. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the spirit of counsel, you'll have that. Not only for your own life, what to do in situations, but that for others as well. And the Bible also says, and might. That means strength, friends. We need strength in our life today. And he also says, the, the next six and seven, he says, the spirit of knowledge. And next, the spirit of fear of the Lord. You see, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why? Because you respect his awesome power, man. That's what we need. So he says here, as we go back to Revelation, he said, which are the seven spirits of God, These seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. Verse six, before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. Ooh, that's cool. Instead of like going down to Durkey's Lake and be able to see like three foot under the water, <laughs> you can see clear to the bottom. I don't have how many people have ever been down to Thousand Springs, down to a place called Blue Heart. Anybody been there? A few few people. This is a weird thing. The water comes out of the ground, and it's crystal clear, and you can see all the colors and the minerals, and it's blue. And it just looks like a giant flower that's bloomed. And you can see down maybe 30, 40 feet, 50 feet down, way down until there's no more light anymore. This crystal, well the Bible says this whole sea is like that. It's going to be absolutely breathtaking in its size and what it is, in the midst of the throne and around the throne. So this beautiful setting where God has his throne.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up,